Hey everyone, what is up and welcome back to the Lifestyle Lifter Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today I interview Tom Otten. Tom is a managing director for Media Group in Dubai. He's also a TEDx speaker and a highly accomplished endurance runner. And in today's episode, you can expect to learn what it is like to run 250 kilometers through the Sahara Desert. Tom's experience for running for over 50 hours straight without sleep. Tom then describes the experience in running 230 kilometers in the Arctic Circle. And most importantly for all of our listeners here, biggest takeaway will be the way Tom approaches these races, how he actually prepares for them mentally more so than physically, the importance of deciding in advance you're going to do something and holding yourself accountable to your work. The the value of just having a, a good perspective on life and changing how you've seen things and just the mental models Tom applies to approaching any difficult situation in life. So whatever your event like this, for, for Tom, it's these crazy endurance events of the Arctic Circle of the Marathon de Sable. For you listening, it might be improving your body composition, running a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, a full marathon. Whatever it is, you can apply the mentality and the mindset that Tom uses to whatever goal you want to accomplish in life. We really dive deep on the mindset side. So ton of value for all of our listeners out there. And if you do enjoy the show, please make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on future ones. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, I'd appreciate it if you leave a five-star rating and review. And if you are listening to this episode and you enjoyed it, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Mac Lifestyle Fitness. That's MC Lifestyle Fitness. And tag Tom. He's at Tom Otten. I'll post the links in the show notes if you enjoy the episode and you got value from it. But without further ado, here is this week's episode of the Lifestyle Lifter Show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lifestyle Lifter Show. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Otten. Tom is the founder and managing director of Great Media Group in Dubai, but Tom is also an endurance runner and a TEDx speaker. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you so much, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to uh, to be here, and thanks for the invite. Absolutely, my my pleasure. And and Tom, before I get you to share a bit, share a bit about your backstory. What got you into the endurance world? Share something about yourself. And I know you have your own podcast. You've been on a lot of podcasts, but share something about yourself, Tom, that most people do not know. Gosh, <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Um, all right, where, where should we take this one? Really, okay, really obscure. Um, I was once in um, a hit Indian movie that was filmed in South Africa. Um, and I was in a movie with Priyanka Chopra that was a quite a big Bollywood movie at the time. And that was about 20 years ago. So there's something completely random for you that most people. Oh don't. my God. Yeah. <laughs> the movie, you... the movie is called Andaz um, with double A-Z at the end. So for any of your listeners that are, that are into Bollywood movies, then uh, maybe they, maybe they know that. Maybe they know that. I, I, I certainly can't say I do, Tom, but that's, uh, no, that, that's surely. Do, <laughs> that's an interesting one, Tom, let's dive straight into it. So, I mean, sure. you've you've completed so many endurance events, um, you know, crazy, crazy distances that it's actually even hard for me to fathom how far you've run, how far that you've you you've done uh, these events for. So, 
what actually got you into the endurance world in in the first part? Would you mind just sharing a bit about your backstory and what actually yeah. how you got into it? Yeah, sure, man. There's a few different um, uh, I would say building blocks to to that kind of end result. Uh, as a kid, I was always super adventurous. Uh, always wanted to be out. Always wanted to be exploring. Always wanted to be getting lost. Um, I've always loved nature and the outdoors. So I think there was a kind of a foundational curiosity, which I think um, curiosity is a key a key element with many people that go on to explore things to extreme because you, you have to be constantly curious and constantly wanting more and exploring more. So that was a, that was a foundation. But then as I, as I grew up, I didn't go down the endurance route as a, as a child, I didn't get into cross country or anything like that, but I did get into rugby. So rugby was my life for, for many years. Um, I played across uh, the UK um, in various schools and then fast forward university. And then I've been in Dubai for almost 20 years now. And I was playing for a local club here and then uh, and then a little bit on the international scene. And that's when I broke my knee. Um, I was playing sevens for the for the country. I was over in Shanghai, um, got tackled, broke my knee. And, and that was pretty much the end of it. And um, for anyone that's gone through that process, they'll know that moving side to side is a is, is, is a problem that takes a, a little bit longer to, to figure out. But not too far down that uh, recovery route, you can start to walk, obviously, and then you can start to jog in a straight line. Now, I was never particularly good at rugby, um, skill set wise, but I was always pretty fit. Uh, so I always did well in the the fitness side of the game. And when I start when I started running um, as part of my rehab, I was really enjoying it. I'd never really run just for the sake of running, um, and I was enjoying it. And at the same time, I was getting my business off the ground. So I started to realize that I could get into something that I could do on my own time uh, without having the rigidity of of training. You know, you got to be there on a Wednesday night, you got to be there on a Friday, or there yeah. on a Saturday games. It's really structured being part of a, a rugby club. Um, so I pulled back from that. I focused on the running and it, I, I, I weaved that into my life um, in a much more convenient way when it came to um, the business side of things as well. So there was there, there was that side. The other side is a little bit, um, certainly a, a little bit deeper. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer quite a few years back and um it was uh, early days of rugby. Actually, it was a, you know it was a, it was a tough time, uh, but I was very fortunate to get through that without. Um, uh, I had an operation. Uh, I didn't have to go through chemotherapy or radiotherapy or any of those those things. Fortunately, um, for me, um, but it really did. It, you know, it it changed something internally. You know, when you sit across the the table from a doctor and he uses words like survival rate and these sorts of things, and you know, it, it really did have an impact on me. Um, I didn't really realize how much of an impact because I tried to bury it. You know, I, I, I think many of us are guilty of this. Uh, anything that's bad, you just try and get away from it, right? So I buried it. I pre pretended like it didn't happen for many years. But then I started to unpack it and realize there's real power there. So um, what that taught me was uh, when I went through that process, really kind of going going deep with that was that you know, life is very fragile, right? And and we're, we're only here for a short period of time. And I've done a TED talk on this. You referenced this off off air earlier and um, which was really all about kind of chasing experiences and, and making sure you're squeezing as much life out of life so for me post rugby i i really spent some time thinking about what you know what do you want to do next and I, and I and and it was very much this concept of squeezing as much as i could out of life finding adventure what adventure meant to me and just kind of absorbing everything that we can whilst we're whilst we're here and um, and running took me there you know uh, through ultra marathons in the most obscure places um, some really interesting races from from deserts to um, to the Arctic and uh, you know and all over and I'm sure we'll get into that but that was um, that was it it was this sort of basis of curiosity when I was a kid um, things that happened along the way 
I was glad what happened with rugby. Um, you know, and and if if the cancer scare, if that hadn't happened, would would, would I ended up with the life that I have now, which I'm very happy with. So I, you know, I don't know if that would have happened either. So all these things happen for a reason, I suppose, and it's led me to to where I am now, and and I love what I do. Wow, incredible, and. It seems like so just that cancer scare, Tom, it gave you just a lot of perspective on on prioritizing creating experiences and actually maybe maxing out like what did your life look like before that then? Would you say you were living to your utmost potential or that you were leaving some some of that behind you? Yeah, I think that we're the best way to describe this, I would say, is that um I suppose I've got a lot more let's say maturity around this i'm a little, quite a bit older now um when i look back on it and 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 i see with many people now and i really try and hold myself accountable to this but it's very easy to cruise into autopilot on life and you know as i as i've got older i've had to really catch myself sometimes doing the same thing and i see it around me all the time that people are just kind of bumbling along right there's no real plan there's no real goal there's no real focus there's no real sitting down and putting literally pen to paper to be like, what do I want out of life? What do I want out of this year? What do I want out of this decade? Um, and really, really living life intentionally rather than just living life on autopilot. And, and, and I think if there's anything that it taught me and that I've also realized through the other work that I've done since, um, it really is that message to make sure that you, you, you have some sort of a framework for living life. Like you, you have a goal, you're going in a certain direction. It gives you the ability to say no, because how do you say yes or no to certain things? If you don't have a plan and you've got no, no particular place to, to, to be, you're nothing you're aiming, nothing that you're aiming at. So how, how do you make sure that you're focused with what it is that makes you happy going in the direction that you want to be going in rather than just being dragged left and right by other people's intentionalities. So um, so I think it's it's very much that. And then once you start to go down that that route, you really start to think through where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Who do I want to spend time with? How do I want to wake up in the morning? You know, all these things, it all filters back from that same change of mindset from being like, am I just going to cruise along? And if I get promoted, I get promoted. Amazing. Rather than saying, what do I actually want from my career? And can sure. I get it? Can I get it where I am? If I can, great. This is how I need to get there. These are the things I need to do, the people I need to speak to, the relationships I need to build, or I need to move somewhere else and it's going to look like this. So actually, rather than just hoping that life happens to you in the right way, actually showing up in life and saying, I want this, this is how I'm going to go and get it. And I'm going to be focused on going to get it and, and then building life accordingly. Yeah, really, really interesting what you said there. Um, particularly about living life in autopilot, because I can definitely be guilty of that at times where it's like, I can nearly predict in advance what my week is going to look like before it ever happens. And something I always come back to, Tom, Tony Robbins, in one of his books, he describes the six basic human needs. And one mm. of them is the desire for certainty. Like, and that that's where having structure, that's where having routine comes in. But then the next one, the complete opposite, uncertainty. And yeah. having surprises, having a change of scenery. And I is that something you've ever dealt with where as a business owner i'm sure you probably need to have some element of structure to your week but then yeah. you you as you said yourself life is all about experiences how do you balance out the having the structure with also having that bit of variety so things are kept interesting that's a really good question because it's um it's trying to it's trying to keep two opposing <laughs> yeah right so the way i approach that is the way that um 
how to best describe this one. So if, for example, we see something happen to somebody in the news and we don't have context, right? And we think, wow, that, that thing happened to this person. They're so lucky, right? But if you actually, more often than not, outside of like winning the lottery, more often than not, if you actually dig in a little bit, there was a huge amount of preparation that got yourself or this person that you're referring to, to a certain point. So it's, what do they say? Luck, luck is, is, is preparation meeting opportunity, right? So um, something like that. I might, I might be butchering that. But no, some, I think some, you have a spot on, yeah. Okay, so, so, and that's it, right? So it's like, you know, when you get called up because someone gets injured and you get called up to a team, it's because you prepared your ass off. You put yourself in the best position for, for success. So when that opportunity came along, you were prepared for it. So that's how I approach life as well. And certainly, you know, business... Um, Business takes me to many places and you know it's it's quite challenging. I've, I've got a company with almost 200 people in it. So we're getting pulled different directions, whether it be client side or, or internally. But you have to have structure, right? You know, it's a big organization, it's a it's an organism, it's moving all the time. So you have to have structure. But at the same time, if you're so structured in your thinking about where the opportunity lies in the market, especially I, I work in the digital space, we're a digital communications agency. Now, the region I operate in in the Middle East and the technology that I that I base my business on, changing all of the time. All the time, things are changing here. So we have to put ourselves in the best position, as in we're prepared, we're a well-oiled machine, we're a well-run company. We have to try and put ourselves in that position so when the opportunity comes up, we can grab it. Because if we're so focused on fixing all the chaos all the time, and it goes, it's the same for everybody's life, right? If your life is, is as organized as it can be, you're, you're, you're well-structured without being anal about it, but you've got some structure in your day, you're, you're in good shape, you're healthy, you're positive, your mind is in the right place, your body's in the right place, you've got your main inputs of life, you know, your relationships are good, et cetera, et cetera. If you focused on those things and, and the, let's say the bottom of the pyramid of your life is strong, then you can reach out and grab opportunities that you wouldn't be able to reach to if you were dealing with chaos behind you. So maybe that's taking the risk of moving jobs because you know that, okay, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, I, I'm not also fighting fires on every other area of my life. So, you know, a lot of people will be somewhat fighting fires. It could be in, in, in a relationship that they're in. They just, they really shouldn't be because it sucks up so much of their mental capacity just dealing with chaos of a bad relationship that they're not able to take new opportunities at work or drive something forward that could really flourish into something amazing because they're you know they're over here fighting a fire. So the way that I approach it is just make sure that that the base of that pyramid, the building blocks of your life, are as organized as they can be, so that you know you can take an opportunity whenever it uh, it, it comes past. Amazing, great answer, Tom. Oh, uh, <laughs> unreal, unreal, and. So just to kind of pivot slightly, then, when you speak about taking opportunities, what was your how how what was your transition into the endurance world? How did that initially start to where it's gone? Where you know, two hundred and thirty yeah. kilometers in the Arctic Circle and Marathon <laughs> de Sable and whatnot. How did yeah. this all actually start for you, Tom? Yeah, cool. After, so, uh, so you broke you broke the knee. I know. Sorry, in in rugby, yeah. and then your your next transition, straight line running. How did you get yeah. into the endurance world then? Yeah, sure. So I um I started doing the running and then uh, I caught up with a, a mate of mine that has been a friend of mine for years, a guy called Marcus from uh, from a local company here. In a I was uh, I was on his podcast two I'm weeks good. ago. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. So I, I actually caught up with him in a coffee shop um downtown and I said, yeah, look, you know, we were chatting about life and blah blah blah, and um I was like, yeah, you know, at some point I want to do a marathon. I think that would be a good idea, but 
wow, it felt so far away. I was like, you know, like in 10 years time, if I build up to it, I, I saw this marathon as this like almost impossible achievement. And I had no concept of how people ran for so far because my running at the time was like 30 minutes and I was absolutely broken at the end of it because I was obviously just running too fast, right? So um, I was like, I, I can't comprehend how people go for like, five hours four hours five hours six hours whatever um so I, it just seemed so far so remote and he was like there's a marathon in like i think it was, was it six or eight weeks or something ridiculous like that he's like and i'd never i don't think i'd ever done more than 5k so um <laughs> he was like just sign up for it like we had a chat about that i was like that's ridiculous all the usual stuff comes out oh excuses no i'm busy with this i can't train and you know blah 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 um, and then sometimes you just gotta you just gotta suck it up and and you know put your ass on the line and and see what happens. So I did that, um, you know, and I'm grateful for his motivation when when that all uh, I suppose lit the fire. And then actually the the race went really well. Um, you know, I, I had a plan, I executed the plan. It went really well. I felt amazing finishing it. And I was like, holy shit, that was unbelievable. I was like, you know, and then then all my kind of wiring kicks in, and it's like, well, how far could you go? You know, how fast, how fast could you go? And then you start being competitive and I'm like, right, this is my thing. Cause you've got something you can constantly be iterating on and like positively moving forward. So whether it's distance or time or whatever. And I was like, this is cool. I enjoyed this. Sure. And I felt that I was, I was reasonable at it. And um, so, yeah, so the two of us then signed up for, uh, we signed up for this crazy, well, it was this race in Wales. Most people were walking it like a hike. It was called Trek Fest or something like that in mid Wales, like 80 kilometers across the Welsh mountains, beautiful scenery like all of the weather that you can think of and um, and we went and ran that and we did all right with at it but um yeah i i had i had horrendous food poison the day before and blah 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 but anyway so i went into it i was literally taking buscapan to stop to stop <laughs> all the way through the race and i didn't eat anything until i think about the but it must have been about the 50k mark or something so i had no idea what i was doing no concept of endurance running no concept of nutrition so it, it was a bit of a shit show for me that race and I got to the end of it and then was like, wow. Um, I was almost like cringing. I was like, I was embarrassed about how I had shown up. I was whinging about stuff, complaining, and wasn't the person I wanted to be. Um, and then uh, and then yeah, that then led on to I was like, I've got a choice here. I either pull back from this running and just pretend like it never happened and pretend like this, like it really sat on my shoulders. And when everybody, anybody asked me about it, I was um I was just kind of shying away from it because it didn't go the way I wanted. Um but then again, there's power in that, right? So I used that to fuel what came next. And I was like, right, I need to get this kind of, I think the term is, you know, monkey off my back. And uh, I signed up for the Marathon de Saab, which is the 250K through through the Sahara Desert. And it was, again, myself and Marcus, we went and uh, we went and did that the following year. And then, um, yeah, then life life got a little bit different after that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so with the, with the Marathon de Saab, Tom, how do you, first of all, mentally, how do you yeah. prepare for such an event where it's 250k in the Sahara Desert? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild, mate. It's um with I, the risk of of dying, I'm sure, from yeah, you know, dehydration, from being bit by a snake, whatever, what have you like. Yeah, that's it, mate. And and you know, I'd watched a documentary from the year before and it started off with someone someone dying in the heat, and you're like, you know, holy shit, this is uh this is no joke. And it's the first thing I'd done that was like th that level of extreme. So I was, I didn't have all the kind of the mental models, the training, the, you know, the mental capacity that I, that I've built over the years since then. So going into that, I was just like, I was a bit shell shocked. And I, I knew I was pushing myself so far out of my comfort zone that I, I felt quite 
obviously I felt uncomfortable. And to take your listeners through a, a short story with that. So you fly into Gatwick from all over the world, and then they charter a flight from Gatwick across to um, an area of Morocco, and then they put you on buses for 10 hours and, and, and out you go. But on that flight, because the only people that are on that flight are, um, are people that are doing that race, it's uh, it's a pretty intense experience. So you've got all these people that are like multiple Iron Man. They've got tattoos all over them with the Iron Man logos. And just like, you know, imagine like full like sports yeah. geek, running geek type. And I'm there thinking, Jesus, the last time I, I did any sort of distance in that previous race, I, I literally fell to pieces. And now I'm here trying to get through the Marathon de Saab. And it was just, yeah, it was a bit of a, um, yeah, it was, it was tough to deal with. So I knew that Okay, I, I've done a decent amount of training, far more than I'd done for the previous race. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm competent in that space. I feel like I can, you know, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I, I feel fit. I feel strong. You know, I feel capable to an extent. But I knew that the real problem or the real challenge was going to be the mental space, right? Because you're going to break, you're going to break in your head far earlier than you're going to break in your body. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that, that has been proven time again. So I spent a lot more time in the lead up to it, really kind of focusing on how bad is it going to be? What am I going to do when I get there? What's important to me? Why um, why am I doing this? Um, but one of the things, and here's something that's that's more of a takeaway. I want to, I want this to be as as kind of useful as possible to your to useful as possible to your listeners. And um, I knew that there was going to be a point where I'd want to stop. Or I knew that there would be a point that where I was like a breaking point where I was like, this is it. Like I'm fucking done i don't want to do this anymore like, i knew it was going to be at some point horrific so i planned for that i i sat and i thought about it before i got there i didn't wait to get to that point to then think what should i do i had to make the decision before i got there so i then i, I started to think through again going back to like why am i there what do i want to do what is it going to feel like when i get out of this because everything finishes and when i finish what's it going to feel like if i bailed on this thing how am i going to go back and see my friends and family and I used all of the all of the tricks, right? And this is what you have to do when you're pushing yourself to, to to breaking point. You use your ego. So you can use your ego in a really positive way to say, well, do I want to be the guy that's that's having the 50 conversations that are going to happen post this race? They're either going to be positive or they're going to be negative because everybody's going to want to know. This is quite early days of ultra running. There was a it's a far smaller community. So coming back in and plugging into kind of normal community here in Dubai, I knew if, like people were following. We had loads of people following us. We were in the papers and there was a big kind of a push behind it like in the media and things. So I knew I was going to have to come back and have a bunch of conversations. And I said to myself, are you going to want to have to explain time and time again why you didn't do this why you bailed why you why you broke or are you going to want to talk about how you completed it what you needed to do to get to the end and blah 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 blah. so you use your ego in that way because nobody wants to have those 50 conversations that are just really negative so it's 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 utilizing all these sorts of tools so that when the shit's really hitting the fan and whatever that looks like you're there and you're like okay i i, I knew this was coming I know why I'm here. I know why I need to finish. And you really dial into that. Um, and that's what uh, that's what pulled me through when I was staring at my watch and I was wiping the face of it because there was so much sweat coming off my face. I was wiping my watch face repeatedly to try and read it. And it was 50 degrees and I was in the sun in just endless sand dunes, like in a valley. And it, I was just like, this is fucking wild. So it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Wow. And... I, I actually moved to Dubai two months ago or for two months this year. And I mean, even just walking in that sun, in that heat yeah. at 40, 45 degrees, 
Yeah. I'd walk to the gym every morning, Tom. And by the time I got to the gym, you'd think that I had a workout done. The yeah. sweat would be dripping down me. So yeah. to actually run in that, I mean, it's just taking it to a new extreme. I heard you speak about on another podcast about that remove the option mentality there. Yeah. It, which you're essentially just alluding to. And Absolutely. Yeah. Is that something that you maybe just talk us through that a bit more, Tom? I think there's a lot of power in that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's it's removing the option is about making the decision before you get there, right? So yeah, you, the and that's it's as, it's as simple as that. So many of these mental models, so many of these sort of ways of of showing up and dealing with difficult situations are are really simple. They're just they're simple but not easy, and that's the big takeaway, right? Like none of this stuff is easy. It's not. It's very simple to say, oh, okay, well, you just make the decision before you get there, and when you get there, you've already made the decision. It couldn't be more basic. But actually implementing that is, 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 what, is what's difficult, right? So it's the same thing. Your alarm goes off in the morning. Those of us that are, that are like geared towards like getting up and getting shit done, you're not going to be like, ah, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to set my alarm for like 4.35 in the morning. And I'm going to see how I feel when I wake up. Because that's never going to work for you, right? Every single time you're going to be like, oh, I need more sleep because of this. And I've got this on and I'm, you know, I need to do this. But sometimes you need to set your alarm for 3 a.m., because you're going to drive to the mountains and run for two hours. And like, you have to make that decision before you go to bed. So it's removing the option when you, when, when you get there. So they're, they're, they're slightly different, but very similar concepts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all get that every morning, Tom, when, when you hear the alarm go off, particularly in the winter, the cold winter mornings, you want to yeah. stay under the sheet. That's it. Decide, in the UK, it's decide, a little bit different, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> decide in advance. And just of all the endurance events that you did so far, what would you say have been like the, the top three most challenging for you, Tom? Would the Marathon de Sable be one or was there, was there even more? Yeah, definitely more. Uh, there's definitely more challenging. So that was, it's also got to take into context of like when they were done, right? So where I was in my life and kind of my process of development. So going into Marathon de Sable MDS was, I was going in super green, super fresh, and scraped through it, but then learned a huge amount from that process that then helped me with um, with subsequent things, whether that be business and building a company or going through other endurance events. So I took a huge amount from that race because it was my first one. It was definitely, it was life-changing for me because I came back with different mental models, like, you know, understanding the simplicity of a decision and a direction. And when you're, when you're building a business, you're getting pulled in many different directions. There'll be fires going on everywhere all of the time. And you, your, your role is to identify, A, where do I want to go? And B, which is the fire that's going to stop me from getting there? The rest of it is just noise. So when you're dealing with something like I could be sitting in the office and five or six people come in, they've all got a different problem. I can only deal with one thing at a time. So I need to understand and make a very quick call, which is the one thing that's going to bring the house down, that's going to take me off course. I've got to deal with that one first. The rest of it is just noise. Even if it's the number one priority for the person in front of me, it's not my priority. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like, if you don't know where you're going, then everybody else's priority becomes yours because you've got no reason for it not to be because you've got nowhere else to go. So in the same way in business, we set a strategy and a direction and this is where we want to be. Then you can make a decision about how you deal with things or don't. It's the same thing in our personal lives, right? So you have to have a, a, a North Star, a direction, a plan, because otherwise you just get pulled left and right by everybody else. I digress a little bit. So MDS taught me a lot. But then moving the, the two big races that have been, yeah, I would say peak 
peak for me were, were one was um, in the, the mountains of Oman, just down the road here from Dubai. Uh, it was 137 kilometers straight. And that was um, that was the first time I'd done a really long single stage. So, yeah, I think it was yeah, almost 140K. Uh, we started at 7 p.m. in the evening. So we went through the night, through the day, through the night again. And then I finished at like 10 or 11 o'clock the morning on the God, whatever day that was, second day, second, the second or third day, whatever. Um, but it was that was just a wild experience because it was um, yeah, the hallucinations, the um something like 50, 60 percent of the of the of the um the number of participants dropped out. So it was actually really dispersed that race. So I spent hours and hours on my own, especially on the second night, because somebody had dropped out by then. That um, yeah, it was just hours on uh, alone on a mountain with, with a head. Without any sleep without any sleep a lot yeah no, no, no sleep i mean we got to the 120k mark i said i keep saying we i was on my own um i got to the 120k mark and i had a um a 1.2 kilometer climb over kind of a three kilometer distance and at one point i was shimmying around a rock um and it was at the time it was it was down it was below 10 degrees it was you know it was windy and you know i, I had 120ks in my legs um, and, you know, was hallucinating to be like, I, I thought I was hearing noises and all sorts of weird stuff. So that was pretty scary because, I mean, there was a 600 meter drop behind me um, and it was like less than a meter back. So I, you know, I was like, at one point I was, I was physically frozen to the rock thinking, I, I actually don't know how to get out of this. You start to spiral and then you really have to kind of get control of your mind, slow things down, take it bit by bit, just like, don't start panicking because otherwise like you're never going to get through this. So you have to really sometimes really catch yourself when you start to panic because as soon as that happens you spiral and you make bad decisions so things like that happened which were which were pretty wild um and also just the the state that your mind is in when you go through two nights and you're not sleeping your body your mind is doing everything that it can to shut your body down because it knows it needs sleep so it starts trying to trick you into things it, you know your mind wanders off in terms of your thoughts are in weird places you're almost like dreaming whilst you're awake because your brain thinks it's supposed to be asleep and it, it it's it's a really weird weird experience um that was fun uh and then the more recent one was uh was uh, going through the the arctic so it's 230 kilometers uh through the arctic in february in northern sweden so um just you know smashing through snow for uh for 230k which was a whole different set of experiences which was it was, was that, sorry tom was that over yeah. a few days or was yeah sorry that, so that was um yes yeah, so that was a multi-stage that's over five days um okay. yeah if you tried to do that in one go i think you'd be dead yeah because uh, <laughs> so, you know when it gets down to like minus 35 literally the environment is trying to kill you so um there's this limited exposure even even in endurance races um but we you know the longest day was still what was the longest day? I think about sixty-five k, something like that. So still, a, you know, a decent, decent day out there from from like pre-dawn to to yeah after sunset. Um, but yeah, just wild experience. So just and a whole new set. I, it was almost it almost felt like I was doing my first race again because everything you've been taught about running goes out the window when you go into the Arctic and you know in sub like Arctic temperatures. So yeah. just the concept of how your body reacts, what 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 will pull you out of the race is not something that can, would in a different race. So for example, no matter how hot it gets in a desert, you can sit under a tree for half an hour if you if you need to, right? And just drink some water, cool your body down. Like there's always something you can do. The second you stop moving in the Arctic, your body's starting to shut down because all of your gear, although it's lighter than you would think, 
when your body is producing the heat because you're moving, you know, you're just hustling along with your poles and all the rest of it, your body's producing enough heat to keep itself warm. So even in minus 20, sometimes you don't actually feel that cold, even if, uh, you know, mostly as long as there's no wind because that cuts through everything. But the reality is as soon as you stop, then all of a sudden you just start getting cold very quickly yeah. and then start to get slow. Um, so yeah, pretty wild experience that one. And just with, with running in general, obviously you ran the marathon that was a road race. How how did it differ running on the sand and then running on the ice? Like that was surely just felt weird in your feet above all else. So so surprisingly similar the the sand and the uh, and the ice because you're just slipping all over the place, right? So although the technique is slightly different, when you them, yeah, there's a lot of similarities as well. So for example, I was training with snowshoes on the sand. Yeah, um, because there's you know it sinks in, it moves around. It's you know it's 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 similar. Um, so there is some similarities with that. The, the tricky thing with the ice, um, is every twenty meters the terrain can change because ice. I mean, the, I think the Sami the Sami people are the are the regional um people in in uh, northern Sweden and um and, and 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 nearby countries. I think they've got something like twenty or thirty different terms for for snow and for ice because they are actually so different, right? So if it's slightly like this or it's slightly sticky or it's slightly more slushy or it's slightly more so it's all different types of ice so when you're doing a distance like that of like 230k and you're going over mountains through forests across lakes that are like 20 kilometers along a lake where you just don't see anything apart from barely seeing the sides um and you feel like you're literally some some arctic tundra uh that it can be lumpy where your feet are moving all over the place it can be quite hard packed where you can actually start to run properly it can be slushy so some of the lakes um, it's there's no real risk of it breaking, but somehow the water gets kind of on top of the ice, and you can be going through slush as well, which is obviously a problem when, when it's that cold. So, so yeah, it's um, it's an interesting experience for sure. Oh wow! <laughs> and how do you just will say with your you spoke with the mental preparation? What about yeah. from a train and nutrition standpoint, Tom? I mean, you hardly run. 100 kilometers or 50 kilometer days consecutively because that can even add up how do you actually physically prepare for events like this what would a typical week of training look like sure so the it's it's tough to say a typical week because it, it just changes so often right so yeah um, then depending on how i'm gearing up for a particular race what that race looks like beforehand it's going to be fairly general so let's say if i'm three months out it's building out base fitness so you're doing um along like let's say a uh, uh, Two long runs uh, a week, so generally that's kind of how it would how it would look. With a track session on a Tuesday as well, so just a really high intensity sprint work around around the track with with my running club. Uh, there'll be a tempo run in there somewhere. So normally on a Thursday we do a tempo, and then I'll be doing a longer run on a Saturday and a Sunday, or that would alternate as well. So maybe it's just a Saturday just to make sure that um, kind of periodization is 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 in play there and working. Um, what would you classify as a longer run for? For events like this sure so i mean the stuff i'm doing now will be about three hours but i'm you know i'm quite close to my event now so i would be doing i'm doing three hours on a saturday and two hours on a sunday to get kind of five hours in over the weekend yeah um but if i'm further out then it will be less obviously i build sure. up to build up yeah. towards that um and then as i get closer to the race it's more specific so i look at okay what is the terrain i'm running on what is the actual course profile okay so this particular race i've got coming up um, I've got two particular climbs, so I will replicate those climbs in my training, so that I'm I, my body is prepared for that. Yeah. I've got a X and re, re, relatively flat, 
and then I know I'm going to be doing this kind of a you know a 1.2 kilometer climb um, over X distance. I will try and replicate that. Um, and sure, I, that makes sense. I'll do that in the weekends building up to it. So by the time I get there, my body should be. I should have done all the baseline fitness. I should have done the um, the, you know, the more specialist uh, training. So making yeah. sure that I'm running on the same terrain, so my stabilization muscles and all these smaller important things are, are there. Because if you just do all your training on a road, for example, and then you you go try and run, uh, you're gonna get you'll do okay for a period of time, but then all the stabilization that you haven't been working on will start to scream. Catch up, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then your lower legs are gonna be a right mess, and that could but that could pull you out. And do you do strength work then on top of this, Tom? Yeah, so that was just the running side of stuff. Outside of that, I've got two um, two strength sessions a week. So one is with a, a strength coach. Um, everything that's, you know, um, compound movements, everything very, very um, kind of baseline. And then the other session would be more focused specifically on on running. But uh, that's generally, generally how it's working. So it will be, what am I doing? Sort of... Um, a lot of dead a lot of single leg work a lot of deadlifts a lot of um core work stabilization on on you know uh, on my knees ankles just making sure that my core is as strong as it, as it can be to make sure that i'm i'm working yeah. on the trails and, and everything's kept as balanced as possible but i need to do foundational strength as well right so course, still yeah you know, still the, the, the big um yeah the big compound movements that can build up that base level of strength because that's what i'm going to be relying on in the latter stages of the uh of the race to make sure that my body's not not tiring out too soon for sure and what's your what's your nutrition then do you yeah. do you have to do you count calories to make sure that you're eating the right amount or what does a typical day's eating look like for you Sure. So I, I use more of a guide. I don't sort of count so much. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not anal about that. But I, you know, obviously I've got a you know, I wear a Garmin, so I've got an understanding of you know what I've just done in training and and what my day would look like from in terms of a calorie burn. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm certainly eating uh, to that level, which is a bit of a challenge sometimes because I'm always bouncing around with work and meetings and and these sorts yeah. of things. So. Um, I go through different phases of working with a let's say a, a food prep company or just doing my own yeah. thing, um, but just trying to make sure that I'm getting. I eat very clean, so I don't eat any junk food. I don't get shitty calories in. So um, that can also be a challenge because when you're trying to get up to the higher level of calories, yes, yeah, only eating good food, yeah, um, <laughs> just trying to get it into your body. So um, that can be a that can be a challenge sometimes. Um, definitely, that would be an area of improvement for me. Um, but I would say the core thing is, is is making sure that the challenge I have is always getting enough protein in nutrient as well. dense, yeah, yeah nutrient dense and um, protein. Exactly. So I, you know, I've got a really good um, I, I, a supplement that I use that starts my day, which is uh, Maximum Vibrance. I don't know if you've heard about that, but super dense uh, green drink, essentially, from the US. I've been having that for, gosh, I don't know, five or six years now I've been drinking that stuff. And my immune system is absolutely bulletproof. Uh, so I, I, I do start with that. Um, and then I focus on a variety of things. I've, you know, more recently, um, I'm, ut I'm utilizing, what is that? Uh, unbroken uh, i've been i've been using those quite a lot uh, that seems uh, that's I, I feel that helps um, and then just getting high quality protein so you know that can be coming from a number of sources i um, i don't use whey protein or anything like that so all my protein would be plant based or um, or meat um, so that's kind of how i how i build it up and just make sure that i'm just eating healthy and consistently and 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 also not uh, I'm a little bit older, so I, 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 it's also about longevity, right? So I want to be eating really, sure. like, yeah. really healthy foods. I've gone through phases of just like anything with high protein in it. It's processed. It's not processed. Like I'll just get it in because I'm trying to hit my my macros or whatever. That's kind of that was when I was much younger. Now I'm much more focused on holistic health 
running is a part of that, but I'm not going to, I'm certainly trying not to detriment my health um, just to hit certain numbers or, or hit a plan or anything like that. Like it's more important to have whole foods and for sure. to make sure I'm doing it properly. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, the analogy I like to use with that, with that, Tom, is like, I know calories are the most important thing for fat loss, but the the type of food and the makeup of those calories determines how you look and how you feel. And, yeah, you know, for, for anyone there, I'm sure we've all had four slices of toast or four slices of pizza in a row. But I doubt anyone listening or even you, Tom, has had four apples in a row. Yet four yeah. apples has fewer calories than four slices of pizza. So yeah, it's just uh, it's those hyper palatable yeah. foods that are easy to eat a lot of that aren't very nutrient dense. Um, yeah. Amazing stuff. Just um, just before we wrap it up, Tom, I know the way you mentioned before, and this is something I, I wanted to ask you about, that you were you, you had a pretty severe injury after one of your races where you couldn't run for 10 months. Yeah. And for someone who it seems like you wrap a lot of your identity and you get a lot of purpose from, you know, doing these endurance events. How do you deal with a setback like that where something so big and so meaningful for you is is taken from you and you you're pretty much, you know, out for a year from doing it? Yeah. Mate, it's um you know, this can happen to any of us at any time, right? So you can lose a job that was your identity, you can become injured or, or or sick for a for a for a period of time. And unfortunately, many people do, right? With chronic illness, with injury, with um with, with all these types of things. You know, people take big setbacks. Um, I you know, I venture to say that every single person listening to this has gone through a significant setback in their life, right? So um it happens to to all of us. So you know, my my focus in terms of how I'm you know, maybe leveraging endurance, or certainly how I'm how I'm trying to build my mindset in terms of my approach to life is that you know we should be prepared for these things, right? We should we should be spending time building our mental resilience so that when not if when the situation happens, you can deal with it, because um, it will happen to all of us. You know, um, parents will pass away. Every single one of us is going to go through that. It's it's natural human cycle, right? At that point, it's going to be devastating. So when you get to that point, this isn't an if, it's a when, right? So if we're going to go as dark as that, like that would be one of the worst things that, that will happen to all of us, right? But people will coast through life trying to make it as comfortable and as easy as possible with even though they have the knowledge that they're going to have to face really dark days. I would rather say, I know I'm going to face really dark days. I'm going to spend my time building my capacity and capabilities and mental resilience so that when they come, I can still stand tall for those that are around me if they need that, or I can still stand tall for myself when I have to deal with you know, adversity in one way or another. So in terms of, uh, in terms of approaching that, it's, it, you know, it, it's critical that we that we focus on building those mental models so that we can we can deal with those situations. For me, really, when I zoom out and look at not being able to run, that's running is a thing that I do. It's not it's not my identity. It's something that I love to do, but it's it's I I, I am me. I, I show up in many different ways, and sometimes it's weird and wonderful ways in, in terms of you know in different ecosystems with different groups of people, and I'll show up in different ways in all of those. And if one of those gets taken away from me, there are other areas of my life. Yeah. So, you know, I get to spend more time at, at home with family. I also have other things I can control. Okay, my core is not strong enough. Cool, now it is because I focused on yeah. the things that I could focus on, right? I, I fixed other things. So when I come back, I'm like, I'm actually a better runner, even though I just lost 10 months, you know, it's taking me time to build back. 
But what an amazing experience building back from, I can't get out of bed in the morning because my back is so bad and I'm rolling onto the floor to do floor work for 30, 40 minutes before going to work. Like from that to running along a peak in the Alps, just flying as fast as I can go, as fast as I can get my feet to go with not, not even a, an inkling of pain. No, to, to go from that to that, what an incredible journey. Maybe if I hadn't gone down, then I couldn't go up either, right? So it's it's just how you approach these things. It's not, uh, like I said, it's not it's not if, it's when. So no, get, get ready for it. And just with that, getting ready for it, what does that look like in practice? Is that meditation? Is it visual, visualization? I know you, you mentioned before in one of your posts, you're a fan of stoicism and Ryan Holiday. How yeah. do you actually put that into practice and prepare for it i think it's it's spending it's sitting with those concepts right spending yeah. time you know I, I we probably all know a lot of people that'll fly through a book and can probably recite a whole bunch of cool quotes but are they actually internalizing this and this is the difference you know you can go book after book after book after book, but if you're not actually changing the way that you think or the way you act or how you make decisions, yeah. then reading that book was just a complete waste of time. So for me, it's yeah, it's understanding like you know, Stoic philosophy and a really easy way into that is Ryan Holiday's books. Um, it's actually spending time with those concepts. And also just as you absorb, if you, if you spend, if you, if you operate in a certain ecosystem where you're speaking to like-minded people, you're reading those sorts of books, you're absorbing those sorts of podcasts, you spend time kind of, it's, it's, it's osmosis. It starts to change yeah. the way you think or something happens and all of a sudden, ah, something pops up from your memory because you read a book about blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden you start to think that way. And then it starts to shape how you think day to day and who you are and how you show up. So um, it's, it's not reading a hundred books. It might be reading two books and actually internalizing those things and just saying like, this is a really cool concept. Next time I'm in this sort of situation or something looks like this, or I feel like this, this is the thing I'm going to come back to because this is really smart. This is going to make me happier. It's going to make me less stressed. It's going to make me put all of these things into perspective. And one of the key things that I took away from all of this kind of work that I've done over the years is, is the concept of reframing. Yes. Yeah. It's so simple because nothing needs to change apart from the way you look at it, right? And yeah, there, there are core elements to stoicism in this, but it's it, the situation doesn't need to change. But we've all gone through this without even realizing that there's something that's really like stressing you out. I'm really upset about blah, blah, blah. And then you like, all of a sudden you just think about the same thing slightly differently. And you're like, oh, it just drains. The stress drains from you. You've got to take lessons from that. Like you created all the stress. And you created the situation which removed the stress. The thing did not change. The, the person didn't say something different. The, the outcome did not change. It's just your way of approaching it. So sometimes... Your perspective, yeah. Yeah, that's wow. it. And just like, you know, whether it's your injury, whether it's um, somebody upsetting you, just reframing that to be like, oh, well, like there's another way of looking at it which makes me feel a lot better about things and I'm going to go down that route. Even if my ego is telling me to go left, I'm going to pull myself right and you know what, let that, let that person be that person. And, you know, I'm still happy. Amazing. I absolutely love that. Yeah. That is, that's just so powerful. Everything you've said there really, mm. really hit home. I'm um, just with uh takeaways from the book to your perspective, to your mindset. I, I, I assume you you've read um, Victor Frankl's book, man search for meaner. You probably heard some of the takeaways yeah. from it. Yeah. I've not read that book. 
I actually haven't fully read it either, but just basically the guy who was um he was he was in World War Two and just his perspective on life, despite having these horrendous living conditions, yeah. the people that kind of thought they'd be out by Christmas, living in that false hope. And then yeah. when Christmas came, like slowly afterwards, I think they passed away, whereas his perspective was more so long term and just being grateful for the small everyday things and changing your perspective. So it just goes to show two people can encounter the exact same experience. You could be, we could be both caught in traffic and yeah. it could be an opportunity for one person to say, well, you know what? Now I get to listen to my podcast for an extra 30 minutes and yeah. somebody else is beeping their horn saying, I'm yeah, stressed, I'm late for work. That's what it. can I do about it, man? That, that is amazing. Um, Tom, I want to wrap this up and I'm really grateful for your time. Just just very, very briefly, what, what's something you're excited about? I know you have a race coming up shortly. Yeah, I mean, the race is for sure, but uh, um, my wife's also giving birth to our uh, our little boy in, uh, yeah, in a few months, so in, in December. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to take this kind of, you know, thinking and all the things that we've discussed today, but how do you actually yeah. take into a lesson for, for a child and, 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 you know, how is that done? So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that challenge and I'm hoping... <laughs> It kind of I think there's a book coming there somewhere for um for for yeah how do you how do you how do you raise a child in that way so I, I'm gonna try and try I'm gonna try and map that out for for people unbelievable amazing amazing Tom thank you cool. so much for for your time I really do appreciate it and to finish the to finish the show because this is the lifestyle lifter show I always ask one final question, and that is, what is your definition, Tom, of living a successful lifestyle? Oh, big question. Um, so what is my definition of living a successful lifestyle? I would say that it is living, living on your own terms whilst also being of service. I think that would be a, a short definition of that. I, you know, I think all of us want essentially financial freedom, uh, yeah. freedom of time all of us want these things right so it's it's how you carve that out it doesn't necessarily mean financial freedom to do whatever you want but at least you can enjoy some of the things that you want to do it doesn't Without mean stress can, yeah yeah it doesn't mean you can jet off around the world at all times but you know sometimes you can find time to be like you know i'm doing this on my terms so i think it's living on your own terms whatever that means to you but also being of service to others because i believe that contribution to society and community is is inherently um, what makes humans feel good. Everybody wants to be of service. Everybody wants to be of value. And if all of us could have the mindset of the world will be a better place because you were here, and that could be this much, or it could be you know, a name in a book um, and, and anything in between. But if the world is slightly better because each of us were here and we have that mindset of service and contribution, I think that would be a very successful life to live. Amazing. Amazing. Tom, thank you so much again for your time. I really, really do appreciate it. And for any of our listeners out there who want to learn more about you, about your racing, about your adventures and all of that, Tom, where's the best place to send them? Yeah, but I would just say Instagram, just, uh, yeah, posting life on stories and on Instagram, which is at Tom Otten. Um, yeah, all the race stuff will be on there as well. So, so yeah, that'll probably be the best way. And if anybody wants to connect, I'm, you know, I'm happy to chat. Unbelievable. I'll post a link to your IG in the show notes. Tom, I really do appreciate your timing. And this has been such an amazing conversation. I've taken a lot from it. And just thank you so much again for coming on. Amazing. Thanks for the opportunity, mate. It's a real pleasure.